This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Roshan Kanisan and today we're going to be talking about technolo- technological innovation and the commercialization of IP because these have uh, technological information innovation has repeatedly impacted the business ecosystem over the last few decades, whether it's as simple, today we consider simple, but whether it's the disruption that word processing and emails caused when they were first introduced, or the current rise of AI with platforms like ChatGPT, at the foundation of all this is R&D initiatives and the development of IP and, the, of course, the monetization and commercialization of all this technology and intellectual property. With that, that in mind, it's important not just understand the importance of innovation and fostering that innovation and how we do that, but also the steps we go to in terms of commercialization and the monetization of that innovation, how we apply that into day-to-day operations and how we utilize all this to tap unmet markets among other things. Today's guest, uh, Dr. Viraj Pereira, will be able to help us explore much more in terms of the implications of all this. Uh, He is the Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercialization at the Imperial College London. Uh, Dr. Viraj, thank you for taking the time uh, to speak with me uh, today. Uh, now, the, the the other thing to note, of course, Dr. Viraj, is that you'll be in town next week for the Maranti I-Nation Conference 2023 that's happening on Monday at the Connection Bangsa South, November 20th. And the overall focus of that will be the theme People and Planet with engaging dialogues on accelerating innovation, among other things. Now, Dr. Viraj, uh, if we look back to 2015, and yes, we did a little bit of digging uh, when we had to Google your name, of course, you were part of a panel discussion titled that is that innovation where you mentioned a very key point where you said that innovation doesn't need to be disruptive technology or ideas and it can be simply be an idea that addresses an unmet market need what can you tell us about the current state of technological innovations <laughs> I'm, I'm really impressed that you still recalled uh, what i said um, <laughs> over eight years ago in that session is that innovation I would say, yes, um, I did mention that um, innovation doesn't need to be disruptive technologies or ideas, and uh, that it can simply be an idea that addresses an unmet market need. So um, what can I say about the current state of technological innovations, which is what you're asking? Firstly, um, I'd like to point out uh, that what I said over eight years ago was relevant at the time, and it is still relevant today. And I also believe that it will be relevant into the future because most of the time what we see in terms of technological innovations are the so-called incremental innovations. So what is an incremental innovation? It is a single or a series of small improvements or upgrades, so to speak, made to an existing product, service, or process. And this may confer the improved product, service, or process more efficiency, productivity, or kind of competitive differentiation. So it's not something completely new, but it has components or features that are new and makes it more valuable, whether it's a product, service, or process, as I mentioned. So if you have a look at most innovations that are disclosed, for example, to the university commercialization offices by their researchers, this becomes very clear. Most of those innovations or invention disclosures um, relate to incremental innovations. However, this does this does not mean that breakthrough innovations don't happen. They do, right? 
if you talk about the current state of uh, technological innovations, we find the same thing. There are incremental innovations and there are breakthrough innovations in different fields. We might be using very um, intellectually standing labels such as, um, you know, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, digital twinning, etc. Now, some breakthrough innovations may have given rise to some very cool technology or and technological advances uh, within these disciplines. But then when we see incremental innovations kicking into further improving them, so we must not discount the importance of incremental innovations based on the perceived kind of the smaller value they would add to an existing innovation. So they are still very important and they can make some breakthrough innovations more efficient, more productive, and more cost-effective. So in summary, when I said back here, then still applies, it's still valid, and it still stand and will continue into the future, in my opinion. And uh, I think you touched upon a lot of points there. And I think there was something about tapping into unmet markets as well. Um, how exactly can we do that? Because the markets that we're seeing now are more focused on technological advancements and developments. Um, one of the major ones is ChatGPT, of course. So how do we tap into these unmet markets and give them the note that these technologies are actively usable? I would say um, design thinking and empathic listening would be a good start. So, I mean, the principles and practices employed in tapping into unmet market needs are still the same. So it's really finding those pain points out there and finding an efficient and effective user-friendly, environmentally friendly, and now sustainable way um, of, of solving them. Um, I think firstly, uh, in order to keep in tandem uh, with the rapid increase in technological advances, you need to keep abreast with those technological capabilities. So that's a must, right? You need to know how to do it. So it is wise to prioritize uh, a few areas and really get good at them. So you can become a world leader or stand out, whether you're an institution or a region within a country, or even to be nationally competitive as a country, in my opinion. Secondly, I think in order to tap into um, the unmet market needs, we should really follow the principles and mechanisms behind this. These include, as we know, customer discovery, market validation achieved through mechanisms such as market research, you know, user research, customer feedback data, while also taking into account the context in which product services and processes are used and collecting both quantitative as well as qualitative information from, um, let's say, for example, surveys, interviews, focus groups, observation, data analytics, and competitive analytics, I think, can add a um, lot of value. Thirdly, government organizations can employ effective mechanisms to facilitate the discovery of unmet market needs. Provided you have the technological advancement and capability, as I mentioned before, one can embark on a certain government program for customer discovery and market validation. An example I can point out from the UK landscape is the program called iCure, uh, which is an abbreviation for innovation and commercialization of university research. Now, this program has been introduced by the UK government via its national innovation agency called Innovate UK, and it is open to all university researchers, including early career researchers or ECRs, as we call them. So iCure is a pre-accelerator program for researchers across the UK 
designed to help them explore the commercial application of their research, which is basically unmet market needs. And this program is really delivered via uh, four key programs, which they call IQO Engage, IQO Discover, uh, IQO Explore, and IQO Exploit. The IQO Discover program is about customer discovery and market validation over an eight-week period. The program provides some funding for testing assumptions and market discovery activities, but it also provides training, access to a team of experts, and um, help in getting their business model canvas done, for example. So the program really helps to develop an understanding of existing market offering and the competitive market landscape uh, within the target market. So programs such as IQ can be immensely valuable in identifying and tapping into unmet market needs. But I don't know if Malaysia has similar programs introduced by the government, but I think this is something that would undoubtedly add value to the research community who aspire to become entrepreneurs. Yeah, I think there are a few programs on our end as well, and some of them are under Maranti as well in terms of focusing on innovation and commercialization. Uh, commercializations. Uh, but focusing more on uh, you, Dr. Viraj, um, as the Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercialization with the Faculty of Natural Sciences at the Imperial College London, tell us a little bit about what are some of the latest efforts and initiatives done by Imperial that will benefit our academic institutions in developing talent uh, for a sustainable future? Sure. Imperial is um, it's, it's a large and complex organization. Um, and is doing quite a bit in this domain um, to to develop talents uh, for a sustainable future. So I'll mention a couple of uh, them here. Um, firstly, um, Imperial Enterprise, where I am based uh, within Imperial, uh, promote and facilitate entrepreneurship, technology transfer, academic consulting, um, innovation and commercialization of Imperial's research. Um, we have a division called um, the Enterprise Lab, or we call it eLab, um, which is a dedicated support service for students, staff, and alumni who want to develop their entrepreneurial mindset, skills, and networks. Um, so with eLab, um, you can talk to someone about their idea, um, meet potential co-founders to build a team, um, find a place to work from, like incubation space, um, join entrepreneurship training programs, find um, technical experts and business mentors, and gain access to networks um, such as investors. Um, it has given rise to many student startups, I should say, um, and trained many young entrepreneurs and helped them to bring their ideas to life. And I'm going to talk about um, a couple of examples um, uh, down the line. Um, but just to give you an idea uh, on the scale at which it operates, between um, August um, 2022 and July 2023, over a period of 12 months, eLab uh, had an active uh, pipeline of 327 student startups that attracted 88 million pounds in investment with 36 businesses incorporated and over 4,500 jobs created. So the support provided is quite substantial. Secondly, we have an initiative called um, Undaunted for tackling climate change with innovation. So Undaunted is a partnership between Imperial College London and the Royal Institution. Basically, it is a community of creative, proactive people exploring how innovation can help humans tackle climate change. So basically, it's an accelerate, there's an accelerator within Undaunted called um, the Greenhouse. And Greenhouse is regarded... Um, 
Europe's leading climate change innovation accelerator that supports translation of climate change and innovation from discovery stage of climate technology and nurturing them until it's ready to be scaled up. It's open for anyone with an idea to come along and progress their ideas. Uh, various support mechanisms are available, including funding. Um, the Greenhouse Accelerator was launched um, in 2021 with a £2.5 million gift from HSBC. Um, and it is expected to provide around 85 UK startups developing services or technologies with potential for impact on climate change uh, with a very structured program of support and training. So it's, it's really, really amazing what's going on uh, within, within that initiative. And there are a lot of young entrepreneurs who are now part of this really important accelerator. So things are quite flourishing mm. in this space here. All right, Dr. Viraj, hold that thought. We've got to go into a few messages. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with Dr. Viraj Pereira, Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercialization with the Faculty of Natural Sciences at Imperial College London. And among other things, we've been talking a little bit about how Imperial College takes a look and facilitates technological innovations in IP commercialization uh, in, uh, over at their campuses and their university. Uh, Dr. Viraj will be in Malaysia next week for Maranti's iNation Conference 2023, which is happening on Monday at the Connection Bangsa South uh, and to uh, for more conversations similar like this. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, that was Queen with crazy little thing called love. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this is Enterprise Biz Bites. This afternoon, I've been speaking with Dr. Viraj Pereira, Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercializations with the Faculty of Natural Sciences at Imperial College London. And we've been getting into a little bit of the importance of tech innovation and commercialization, uh, what that really means and entails. And we'll also be exploring how Imperial College London does all this on their end. Now, Dr. Viraj will be in Malaysia next week, uh, more specifically on Monday for Maranti's iNation 2023 conference, which will be held at Connection Bangsa South uh, on Monday. Uh, to register for this, to hear more conversations like this and more, you can go to www.maranti.my slash iNation. That's i-nation. Now, Dr. Viraj, before the break, we were talking a little bit about market accessibility and tapping into unmet markets. Let's change the direction a little bit and talk about sustainability as it's become quite the buzzword in recent years, particularly in the tech sector as certain uh, players are looking to adapt to that. Could you break down for us what sustainable innovation means from a business standpoint? Absolutely. And as you rightly said, and indeed, it has become such a buzzword, isn't it? The flavor of the decade kind of thing. Um, so so how do we define um, sustainable um, innovation from a business standpoint? I think um, it's very much uh, related to how businesses use innovative practices to assess global climate and social challenges, um, identify how companies can become a part of that solution and evaluate strategies for, example, carbon reduction. Um, I think it can also look at the social impacts of the business, explore value chains, uh, trace ESG metrics through the supply chain, and establishing innovative, sustainable business models. So I see that business leaders would really need to evolve 
by defining and refining sustainability innovation strategies for their respective organizations that rises to the challenge of um, ESG goals. Now, businesses need to bear in mind that sustainability is no longer optional. It is demanded by consumers. It is demanded by employees. It is demanded by investors, the policies uh, that the governments come up with, who would push really hard for organizations to dedicate resources to making a positive contribution to society in line with the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. So prioritizing corporate social responsibility offers a massive uh, opportunity to businesses to do well while it does good, in my opinion. um, Rightly said, and I think there are some important facts for fresh entrepreneurs to take note of before stepping into the business world. From the perspective of a fresh entrepreneur who's new to this aspect of business, could you walk us through what institutions like Imperial can do to prepare young entrepreneurs in achieving innovation for their business ventures? Absolutely. We have a lot of support mechanisms to, to support our students and young entrepreneurs, especially um, and I think I touched on this um, in, in answer to a previous question where I explained how we support student entrepreneurs through Imperial's Enterprise Lab or eLab. So I'll elaborate further here. Um, so through Imperial Enterprise, uh, we provide a lot of uh, support for Imperial academics, early career researchers, as well as students to move their ideas from concept to commercialization or from lab, lab to market, so to speak. Um, and this support includes um, advisory, it includes mentoring, access to technical experts, access to networks such as investors, as I mentioned before, uh, training, access to physical space or incubators, um, basically most of what they need to succeed in their own, own ventures. And this goes along with a, a lot of um, advisory training, having access to people who have done this before and who are also in the space of ESG and sustainability and and so on. Um, we also get some of our young entrepreneurs to work with um, the Imperial Business School's MBA students to work on their business plans and improve them and embark on customer discovery, validation, and so on, in line, again, with sustainability, ESG uh, sort of agenda. Um, then we also have a special initiative called We Innovate to promote women entrepreneurship. And then we have um, Venture Catalyst um, Challenge, which is Imperial's uh, flagship entrepreneurial competition conducted over three months, over five tracks and £100,000 for grabs, which is run annually. Um, and then we have another initiative called uh, the Global, Global Challenge Lab, which pretty much brings together students from across the world to form international teams and generate solutions to some of the world's most pressing challenges and work towards the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Learn new skills, meet new people, and uh, if they win, win a share of the prize fund. So this year, in 2023, the challenge focused on goal number seven, affordable and clean, clean energy. Um, Then um, we have the MedTech Super Connector to accelerate MedTech innovation. uh, That is to develop and scale impactful medical technologies. Um, It also provides entrepreneurial training, masterclasses, and um, sort of one-to-one advisory sessions. Then we have a prototyping facility called Advanced Hackspace, kind of like a tech workshop, uh, which brings a diverse set of minds from all backgrounds, uh, disciplines, and levels of expertise to collaborate and innovate. So at Hackspace, individuals and teams can gain access to a variety of, uh, so to speak, um, 
prototyping equipment, including the likes of 3D printers, all under one roof. Um, and it's located within our white city campus, um, at Imperial College. So at Advanced Hackspace, um, young entrepreneurs are guided, they're equipped, they're educated and inspired to turn their ideas into reality. And we have a number of successful student startups coming out of the Hackspace, which really demonstrates uh, its, its value. Then we also have something called a Summer Accelerator that runs in partnerships with the Imperial Business School from August to October every year that enables founders of companies to boost the development of their startup to a level where they're ready for investment. So it provides one-to-one mentorship, um, business coaching, group workshops, and experts in residence sessions. So um, we have a lot of mechanisms and initiatives through which we prepare our young entrepreneurs to succeed in their innovative business ventures. And nowadays, it is very much in in line with sustainability and ESG practices, um, I would say impacting ESG practices. Uh, On that note, though, um, the so-called Blue Skies research or applied research is an integral part of Imperial's mission to generate knowledge and share it. uh, And much of it may not have a specific or direct industry application. But there are examples of when it has been translated successfully. So could you provide us with more context on this and some successful translations uh, within the industry? As you've rightly said, blue sky research or fundamental research may or may not have specific industry applications. Most often they don't, right? So, however, um, it is an integral part of um, Imperial's mission um, since universities in general are there to generate new knowledge um, and, and disseminate it, whether it's blue sky research or applied research. So in other words, it is an inherent part of um, the academic mission, so we strongly support it. However, it can sometimes produce astonishing results by creating new knowledge that can indeed be applied in various ways. Sometimes these opportunities are identified when scientists or researchers speak to businesses and vice versa. Or the businesses can come across research publications and might identify areas of of applications. Now, when I worked for um, Oxford University Innovation nearly 12 years ago, um, we had a very fine example of this, and I have um, often spoken about this. The original uh, research in this uh, this case came from a PhD project at the Department of Zoology in, um, in Oxford. Uh, in this case, it was a student by the name of uh, Torsten Riel um, who identified the opportunity. The research was based on neural basis of animal and human locomotion or movement, which basically combined biology with computer science. And the student soon realized that this blue sky research can be actually applied to create realistic and interactive character animation for games films and simulations. So you can imagine, you know, zoology to, wow, games in films and simulations. Who would have thought that? It was then launched as an Oxford University spin-out company uh, called Natural Motion back in 2001. The company's technology employed a very cool virtual brain model, or they call neural networks, to control physical simulations or real humans. So, The power of the technology was that it would produce realistic animations in a more cost-effective way. And these animations were completely interactive because they were simulations of the real thing. So anyhow, to cut a long story short, 
companies like Sony and Microsoft soon wanted this technology embedded in their game consoles, you know, the, the PlayStation and Xbox 360. And um, Backbreaker and Gran Turismo are two well-known such games. Not only the technology was utilized in games, it was also later used in popular animation movies. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the modern animation movies, the eye movements and the facial expressions seem so real. Um, eventually, in 2014, the company had progressed so much that they had offices in Oxford and San Francisco. And then an American games company called Zynga bought out Natural Motion for 527 million USD. So I consider this a fine example of blue sky research being successfully applied in industry, in this case, the entertainment industry, and eventually um, all the stakeholders, including the university, including the student who actually created the company, as well as the buyer, were all winners in the game. Hmm. That's actually quite interesting, Dr. Viraj. And I want to follow up on that in a little bit because we've got to go into a few messages now. Um, folks, I've been speaking with Dr. Viraj Pereira, Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercialization with the Faculty of Natural Sciences at Imperial College London. And we've been talking about, uh, among other things, how Imperial College facilitates technological innovations and IP commercializations, but also the importance of all this in bringing it to day-to-day life. Dr. Viraj will be in Malaysia on Monday for Maranti I Nation 2023 conference, which is being held at the Connection Banks of South, where more conversations like this will be had around AI, ESG, big data, and much more. Uh, you can register at www.maranti.my/slash i-nation. Now you can always tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at our U Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Right now we're going into a few messages. We'll be back in just a little bit. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9. The business station beats funk mixtapes bfm 89.9 the business station BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. I'm Merchant Kandison, and this afternoon I'm joined by Dr. Viraj Pereira. He's the Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercialization with the Faculty of Natural Sciences over at Imperial College London. And we've been talking about uh, the importance of uh, the importance and the importance of fostering technological innovation and IP commercialization, among other things. Dr. Viraj will be in Malaysia on Monday for Maranti's iNation 2023 conference, which will be held at the Connection Banks of South. More on this a little later. Now, just to follow up on a point we made before the break, uh, Dr. Viraj, in regards to the blue sky research thing we were talking about, um, you know, you made a point that you know some of the gaming companies got involved, and some of the technologies were in, uh, were, were were developed for motion pictures and and animation. Uh, tell us a little bit about how businesses, how can businesses sort of incorporate these modern day technologies into their day to day operations, right? Because some of the things we mentioned, things like AR, VR, uh, do you see these things as the future? Absolutely. So I think there's a whole lot going there. I mean, at Imperial, we have created something called Imperial X. And Imperial X, it brings together all the Imperial academics who specialize in artificial intelligence and machine learning for businesses to access them in order to create solutions to business problems. So that's a very fine example I can give you from Imperial's perspective. And yes, um, by all means, I think there's a lot of buzz around artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, digital twinning, 
um, and how companies would look at these new technologies in solving um, problems that they encounter or in uh, putting them into good use so they're in line with sustainability and ESG agenda. We are working with a lot of multinational companies and I'm working myself with um, some multinational companies and we can see uh, them accessing Imperial, accessing the experts with various problems that they would love to solve with the use of AI, machine learning, digital twinning, and so on. So it, I wouldn't say it is the future. I would say it would form a core component of the future uh, within, within future businesses. Um, and it is happening as we speak. Uh, and the scale is, is um, quite gigantic. Hmm. Now, um, in line with that, what are some success stories or at least positive outcomes that you've encountered over the years when it comes to achieving sustainable innovation, uh, particularly among uh, SMEs, for example? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'll talk about uh, two success stories from uh, Imperial student startup community as examples, because we were also talking about uh, young entrepreneurs and building those entrepreneurial skills, uh, putting a bit of a spotlight there. So um, the first company is um, called uh, Nordplug. So I think it stands for not plastic. So it's called not plus. Um, and they're in the business of sustainable packaging, uh, which they call disappearing packing. Uh, very interesting. So they first engineered uh, simple food containers to eliminate waste and has a 100% natural seaweed coating uh, to replace petrol-based coatings that tend to linger forever and that are pollutants, right? Um, the company won... Um, something called the Earthshot Prize, uh, worth one million pounds in 2022. So His Royal Highness Prince William is the founder of the Earthshot Prize, um, which is an annual challenge. It helped Nopla to hire new people and purchase more equipment to beef up their manufacturing capabilities. In fact, um, His Royal Highness uh, Prince William visited the company earlier this year to witness their progress. Now, the company currently has 14 sustainable products on their website with four of them available for sale, uh, seven at prototype stage and another three currently in development, all in line with very environmental friendly solutions. And um, as I mentioned, seaweed is the raw material they use because it grows quickly, needs no fresh water, land or fertilizer. It captures carbon and makes the water less acidic. It is abundantly available and have quite unique uh, material properties as well. So the sustainability proposition is very strong and they're an SME and they're a student startup. The second example is a company called Fluus um, that have created a microplastic free, zero waste and fully flushable sanitary pads. These sanitary pads are both highly absorbent and flushable with a patented technology employed um, in it. It basically combines biodegradable materials such as cellulose, biodegradable polymers and plant fibers combined with a unique uh, manufacturing process. So the sanitary pads only start breaking down once they are fully submerged or come in contact with water. So when you flush it down the toilet, it basically disappears and dissolves completely. The company claims that they have already saved 1.4 million bags worth of plastics and over 8,500 kilograms of sanitary pad waste from landfill. 
So it is substantial, I think, given the company is still in its early stages of commercializing this product. And just imagine how much pollution this product would reduce in the coming years. And they are also an SME and a student startup, as I um, mentioned before. So I would say that SMEs have a lot of opportunities to grow in this space, but they just need to explore and identify a good product that ticks off all the sustainability agenda to create a new uh, stream of income, so to speak. Um, And I would say that there's a lot of interest as well as investment available in this sector, at least in in, in the UK and Europe and and, and the US. For example, um, recently we held an event called IP4U between Oxford, Cambridge, University College London and Imperial, where we brought 80 technologies from the four leading UK universities and demonstrated them to industry in a university tech fair format uh, under two themes, 40 technologies under sustainability and 40 technologies under future health. And we separated the two themes into two days. And to my surprise, we had more people joining us on the sustainability day than on the future health day. And this also showed the current interest in sustainability when four leading UK universities came together to demonstrate their latest sustainability technologies available for licensing. So there are loads of opportunities for SMEs to uh, thrive on, to capitalize on, I would say. That is really interesting. And you mentioned an event there. Now, obviously, we've got an event that you'll be coming down for on Monday. Uh, you'll be part of Maranti's iNation conference uh, that focuses on highlighting key sustainable practices to make a positive impact on our planet. Uh, I think some other things you highlighted during your, uh, in terms of where startups are focusing as well. So in line a little bit with that. Um, what are some top line practices that you can share with us to shape a sustainable future and points of discussion that we can expect uh, at the conference? Sure. Um, I think um, anything to do with reducing waste, reducing pollution and carbon footprint, carbon emissions, improving the efficiency of resource utilization, all comprise key sustainable practices. And I think companies often employ practices such as reviewing their supply chains, reducing water usage by investing in, for example, water conservation devices or equipment, partnering with nonprofit organizations such as Imperial, um, educating their employees um, by implementing simple measures such as minimal paper usage policies, putting greater emphasis on recycling and reusing and repairing and reusing rather than replacing by developing green products and transitioning into renewable energy usage. So there are loads and loads of key sustainable practices a business could strategize and implement to uh, meet green and sustainable goals. So I think most of these will be touched on and discussed at uh, the iNation conference, uh, Maranti's iNation conference next week. Now, with that in mind, Maranti's iNation uh, is happening, as I mentioned, on Monday, the 20th of November and serves as a collaborative hub where meaningful conversations thrive. The conference is all about connecting a vibrant community, bridging gaps between science, industry, policymakers and society. You can expect engaging dialogues on accelerating innovation, the role of ESG principles, women in sustainability, AI, big data, G2G, knowledge transfer, among many other things. 
The conference will be held at Connection Bangsa South on Monday, and the theme overall is People and Planet. The Supercharger event will also be co-located at iNation 2023. Also, the NTIS showcase is set to take place during the iNation 2023. So a lot going on on Monday. For those of you who are keen to register, you can check out the website at www.maranti.my slash i-nation. And now, Dr. Viraj, just to before we close off, um, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs who are keen to tap into the technology sector but are not confident to take the leap of faith to kickstart their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my advice has always been very simple and direct. And uh, that is to just do it like Nike, just do it. Um, I would say, do not let your fears take over your dreams. And if you can't dream, don't do it. And if you dare to dream, just do it. That's the very simple and direct message I've always communicated to uh, budding entrepreneurs. And if you have a look at today's environment um, and ecosystem, it is very different to what it was um, two or three decades ago. We did not have this many support mechanisms, organizations promoting innovation, commercialization, startup creation, all the accelerators to the extent they're available today. And that's very, very prominent, right? So young entrepreneurs have much more support um, um, and mechanisms available to help them succeed in their own ventures. All they need is a good idea and courage to establish how they will bring those ideas into life in a way that's sustainable. If you lack confidence, basically ask yourself why. Get to the root of the problem and figure out what you don't feel confident about because it could be any reason, right? So various reasons, depending on, you know, personalities, their circumstances, uh, at what stage they're in their life and so on. So once you know the reasons for that lack of confidence, what I would say is work on it to build your confidence. So for example, right, you might be confident in coming up with a great idea, but you may not be confident in wrapping it up in a good business model, for example. So how do you develop the confidence to do that? I would say find people um, and and mechanisms and other means by which you can develop the skills to do it. Talk to a lot of experienced people, you know, build trust and just embark on it. Again, I say, if you dare to dream, just do it. If you fail, learn from it and build more confidence in yourself for working out what doesn't work. Go back to the drawing board and start new. Like Thomas Edison said, he said, I have not failed a thousand times. I have succeeded in proving that those thousand ways will not work. When I have eliminated the ways that will not work, what do you find? I will find the way that will work. Now, that's a very powerful quote, but I'm not asking um, any entrepreneur to try a thousand times before they will succeed. But the gist is that, um, you know, you should treat any shortcomings as experiential intelligence that you gather along the way to success. And that's my message. And that's a, a really good way to build your confidence and to inspire yourself to achieve your aspirations. And also, I think a really lovely way to end this conversation. Uh, Dr. Viraj, thank you so much for your time today. Not a problem. It's a pleasure. And thank you very much for inviting me for this interview. Thank you.
Folks, I've been speaking with Dr. Viraj Pereira. He's the Director of Industry Partnerships and Commercialization at the Faculty of Natural Sciences at Imperial College London. As mentioned, he will be at the iNation 2023 that's happening on Monday. And you can learn more and get your and register for the event at www.maranti.my i-nation. Now, if you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. Our shows are also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just search up Enterprise BizBytes. Looking up ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay happening after the 1pm news bulletin. The Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil is a multi-stakeholder non-profit organisation that unites members from across the palm oil value chain to develop and implement global standards for sustainable palm oil. CEO Joseph de Cruz joined the morning run and shared with them the latest developments in, certific- in its certification scheme, their efforts to engage with small Smaller players and why it deserves the premium. I'm Roshan Kanison. You've been listening to Enterprise BizBytes. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.